The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 68 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour horror episodes of Inner Sanctum Mysteries. We'll begin after this short break. Most of us remember the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, originally aired from 1974 until 1982, hosted by E.G. Marshall, and created by the legendary radio producer Hyman Brown. Each episode opened and closed with the ominous sound of a creaking door slowly opening at the beginning of each broadcast and slowly closing at the conclusion. Brown first used this sound effect on his earlier horror series, Inner Sanctum Mystery, which ran between 1941 and 1952. The squeaking, creaking door became the trademark for both shows ushering radio listeners into a terrifying domain. Inner Sanctum Mystery gave its audience a weekly diet of thrills, chills, and black humor. Screen icons Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, Raymond Massey, Lon Chaney Jr., and many others with the necessary sepulchral tones appeared before the microphone, their creepy voices projected into listeners' homes through a glowing radio speaker. The celebrated boogeyman of Inner Sanctum Mystery was Raymond Edward Johnson, a horror host with a unique delivery that set him apart from other show hosts. His standard introduction on every episode included ghoulish jokes with a sinister chuckle. Time now for the first of two horror episodes of Inner Sanctum Mystery. In this first episode, a man finds an old green bottle washed up on the beach with a treasure map leading to a fortune in gold coins. Here's The Corpse is Lonely on Inner Sanctum Mystery, starring Larry Haynes from May 30th, 1949. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Well, I booted myself over to a traveling freak show this afternoon to see how the competition was doing. <laughs> Ran into an old schoolmate, fascinating fellow. We once voted him most likely to succeed. He did, and how. He's a high man in the snake pit. <laughs> a frightful accident happened near the squirrel cage. The peanut concessionaire went up in flames. Yeah, some joke had given him a hot foot. Well, before I left, the, the owner offered me a very lucrative job. Pick any cage you like, he said. I told him I'd think it over sometime when I got my mind back. <laughs> Tonight's inner sanctum mystery, The Corpse is Lonely, was written by John Robert and stars Larry Haynes in the role of Smitty with Barbara Weeks as Julie. And now for tonight's anguish. We're on the ground level of an old abandoned lighthouse on Jellicoe Strip, a narrow islet two miles off the North Atlantic mainland. It's the exact instant a sputtering fuse hisses close to a wooden box that reads, Danger, Dynamite. Near the box lying dazed are two figures. Julie. A boy and a girl. Julie. The boy rises, staggers unsteadily, Julie. then reaches down frantically toward the unconscious girl. Julie, get up. Julie will be blown to bits. Julie! 
hundred-year-old lighthouse lies toppled in a crazy pile of shattered stone. One figure lies outside it, flung clear of the wreckage in a freakish whim of the fates. One figure, the boy. Blood spurts from head wounds and mixes with the sand under him. His eyes open slowly, and he stares in a slow circle, away from the lighthouse, as if trying to find it. His eyes fix on nothing. Julie. Julie, I can't see. I can't see. I'm blind. I'll write my story on the wind. Yes. The short, happy story of Smitty Lonergan. It began with an old green bottle on the beach. Only yesterday. I've been out all day casting for sea bass in an old rowboat rigged up with an outboard motor. When I had enough, I ran the boat up on the beach. Except for the seagulls, I was alone. I thought. It was a beach at the tip of nowhere, a four-mile walk from town. I just dropped my anchor when I saw the old green bottle lying on the edge of the beach like it had just been washed ashore. There was something inside it, rolled up. And a metal stopper that took every ounce of strength I had, trying to pull it free. Let me give you a hand with that, kid. Who are you? Sharky. You don't even look so green, I ain't gonna bite you. Well... Where'd you come from just now? I didn't see you. I was watching you from up on the dunes. Hand me that bottle. (laughs) There, it just takes a little muscle. Now, let's see what you found, kid. Sheet of paper. Looks more like old parchment. Yeah, it does. Coin with it. Old green coin. Looks Portuguese to me. No, no. It's American. It's an old gold coin. Where? What do you know? $50 gold piece at that. Yeah, what does the paper say? Well, it's old script, hard to make out. Don't give me that stall, make it out. Well, read it for yourself, why don't you? I don't read. Oh, come on, kid, come on. No need getting your back up. I can make out the words. One-third to the Lady Jane. One-third to the Croker. And one-third to the Sea. One-third to the Lady Jane. One-third to the Croker. One-third to the Sea. What does that double-talk mean? I don't know. There's a signature on it. Uh, Captain Crow. That's, uh, that's all there is. <laughs> Lie sticking out all over your face, kid. Well, what do you mean? There's more on the back of that paper. Give it to me. Yeah. Part of a map. This is the third of the map that went into the bottle you fetched out of the sea. The second piece went to some Lady Jane, and another third to the Croker. You get the three thirds together, and you got a map leading to a lot more of that gold. Now look, Mr. Sharkey, I found the bottle, and you're horning in. No, kid, I'm not horning in. I'm taking over. Map, gold piece, <laughs> right in Sharkey's jeans. Hey, you don't like it, huh? You're a cheap crook. Gonna hike to town. Tell the sheriff. You bet your life I am. Kid, I never yet saw a dead man walk to town. Any town. Yeah. You gonna kill me? Sure. Like that. No. Sharky. No, the map is all yours. Not while you're blabbing around town, it isn't. Kid, I'm shot. Julie, she shot me. You're laughing. Yeah, but uh, but I don't see anybody. She'll show from over the dunes when it's safe. Sharky. Sharky was dead. And Julie showed. I watched her come down over the dunes, holding a rifle aimed and ready. A girl gotten up like a beachcomber. She's wearing fisherman's pants slid along the thigh, with long hair flying wildly. 
Sharky done for? Yes. Yes, he's dead. You saved my life. All I did was kill Sharky. Get the stuff he stole from me out of his pocket. Yeah, yeah, sure. What's all this? Oh, just, uh, just some old junk I found in an old bottle. Sharky wasn't killing you because of some old junk. I don't like liars, mister. Sharky was a liar. All right. It's an old gold coin. There's a letter and part of a map. Part of a map that leads to more gold coins. Was that the way Sharky figured it? Yes. Then that's how I figure it. We're partners, mister. What's your name? Smitty. We're partners, Smitty. Now help me dig a hole for Sharky. Partnership is out, Julie. I'm on my own. This rifle says otherwise. <laughs> I just traded in Sharky for you, handsome. Now dig that hole and then start chasing down the gold. The gentler sex. Whoever coined that phrase never met Julie. Well, I went right to the one source that could tell me the most about Captain Crow, the signer of the old letter I found. My informant was a peg-legged old man called Uncle Kale, the village record keeper. Uh, Captain Crow, huh? Funny you should come inquiring about him. Well, uh, I'm writing a book on New England history. There, there was a, a Captain Crow, eh? There was, until the county hung him 20 years ago, about the time I lost this leg. Hung him, you say? Why? Well, piracy was only one of the reasons... Crow had put out the signal flare lit off an old Jellico lighthouse so that passing ships had ram into the rocks and sink. Oh. I, uh, I guess Captain Crow's, uh, scheme netted him quite a lot? Yeah, I reckon it did. Everything floating to shore was salvage, and Crow knew just where to lay waiting for it. What went down, Crow went down after. Diving suit? Yep. And grappling irons. Oh, I uh, suppose he came by a lot of gold that way, huh? Well, I can't say he didn't. There was talk once about a gold shipment that never got past them rocks off Angelico Lighthouse. Uh-huh. I, uh... I, I ran into a couple of funny names connected with Captain Crow. I wonder if they make any sense to you. Yeah, fire away. Lady Jane and the Croker. Lady Jane and the Croker? Now, where did you come by them? Around. They mean something? They're right here in my records, in the last will and testament old Captain Crow made out before they hung him. I remember reading them names like it was only yesterday. Can I, uh, can I see the will? Yeah, I guess you can. You'll be in the book, writer. I'll go scout it up. And I got it right here. Penned by old Captain Crow himself. Let's see what it says. The ship's clock, grappling irons... A diver suit, windless, a rocker, a picture of Lady Jane. And there's one of your questions answered, son. A picture of Lady Jane? Yep. A hand-painted picture of a sailing boat. Went to his sister right here in the village the way he wanted it. Hester Crow's got the picture now hanging over a mantle. Uh, what about the croaker? <laughs> well, the croaker is written down here as a stuffed parrot. Stuck parrot. Who did Captain Crow leave that to? Yeah, his brother Tom. Yeah, Tom's got that stuffed bird sitting on a table in his parlor right now. I've seen it there. Say, you want to hear the rest of what Crow divided around in his will? Uh, no. No, thanks. I, I know all I want to know. Thanks. Hester Crow and Tom Crow. The surviving brother and sister of old Captain Crow. I had two stops to make. To pick up a painting of a ship and a stuffed parrot. Yeah. Pick them up somehow. Buy them if I could. Steal them if I had to. Hester Crow's cottage faced the sea in a deserted corner of the village. Picking my way up a short flower path to the weather-beaten front door. I knew I wouldn't have to buy or steal the Lady Jane picture. Hester Crow was just about giving up claim to Inside on the floor with a face splotched green and purple and twisted as if she'd just screamed at the devil was Hester Crow. Stop staring stupid and get the painting down off the mantelpiece. Julie. 
Julie, you killed Hester Crow. <laughs> it didn't have to be murder. When you're chasing gold, it's kill or be killed. How'd you know to go after Hester Crow? I was outside the window listening to you pump that record keeper. You just thanked him and walked away, sucker. You got a double track back there sometimes, Smitty. And murder Uncle Kale, I couldn't. Then I'll have to do it for you. I'll get that Lady Jane picture down. Rip off the back. Well, is it there or isn't it? It's there. Another one-third of a map. That proves the letter in that bottle was a McCoy. Yeah. yeah. I guess it does. We just need the last third of that map, now. The stuffed bird sitting on Tom Crow's parlor table. A stuffed parrot's gonna make us rich. <laughs> Why are you staring at me like that for? You're crazy. Maybe. But you're gonna be crazy about me. Am I? You'll see. Now, you go down to the beach and wait for me. I'll go get that stuffed bird. You're going to kill Tom Crow? You forgot what I told you about chasing gold? No. No, I didn't forget. You said kill or be killed. I hiked four miles back to the beach as Julia ordered me to and I waited for her to come back with the stuffed parrot. Oh, I was in deep. Playing Patsy to a crazy murderess. With no way out. The hours went by and the dawn came up. But Julie didn't show. Julie didn't show. But somebody else did. Somebody else came scooting along the surf in a 20-foot motorboat. A burly guy with a wind-tanned face and a yellow poncho and a rain hat. With a sheriff's badge pinned on his chest. And with him piloting the motorboat onto the beach was a short, olive-skinned fisherman. Hiya, son. I'm Sheriff Kirkus. Hiya. Been camping out here? Yeah, yeah. Is it okay? I guess it is. Outside the town limits here. Where are you from? Inland away, uh, Fall River. On the bum? Uh, sort of, uh... I'm between jobs and thought I'd like to get a little fishing in before locating again. Fish biting? Some. Yeah. What line you in when you work? Uh, no line, especially soda jerking and odd jobs. Uh-huh. Been into the village lately? Uh, yeah, I thought I'd look it over. Why? Well, no reason, especially. You got any objection to looking it over some more? Me showing you around? Do I have to? Maybe you do. Got uh, no reason not to want to, have you? Oh, no. Why do you ask that? No reason, especially. Old Hester Crow died mysteriously last night, but uh, that shouldn't bother you any. Didn't even know the old lady, did you? No, I didn't. If you're ready now, we'll go. And if I'm not ready now? Then I'll have to take you in. Son, you're up. Julie! Uh, it was Julie who shot you, Sheriff. I... I don't see nobody. She'll show From over the dunes. Julie showed. I watched her come down the dunes. A rifle aimed and ready. Pointing at the olive-skinned little guy who piloted the motorboat for the sheriff. Sheriff changed his mind, handsome. He's dead. He came to arrest me for the murder of Hester Crow. I saw your knees knocking from up there. Good thing for us the sheriff came along. Good thing. And how? We got a real motorboat now and a pilot with it. You there, what's your name? Pedro, senora. What do we need a motorboat and pilot for? Get to Jellicoe Lighthouse and get that gold. Jellicoe Lighthouse? Yeah. Here's the third of that map that was sold in the stuffed parrot. Put the three pieces together and read it for yourself. What happened to the owner of the stuffed parrot, Ed Crow? We just gotta know, huh? Read the map, handsome. According to the directions in arrows, there's something buried in the foundation of the Jellicoe Lighthouse. And there's something gold. Well, to get at it, we'd have to take the whole structure down. That means wrecking equipment. It's too big a job for us. You sure quit easy. What's wrong with dynamite in the lighthouse? How do we get the dynamite? By getting it. Pedro, come here. Si, senora. You want to stay alive? 
Oh, si, si, senora. Then tell us where to lay our hands on a box of dynamite. But, senora, Pedro do not know. Pedro had better know. Pedro did know. We watched Pedro steal a box of dynamite from the private pier of the county construction company. I have stole the box of dynamite, senora. Now, let's get out of here. Head straight for the Jellicoe Lighthouse, Pedro, as fast as you can push this tongue. The Jellicoe Lighthouse is over there, senora. On that little island. See, I throw the light on it. I see it. The lighthouse is abandoned, isn't it? Oh, see, senora. For a long time, there is nobody in it. Stop the boat here. Here? In the middle of the water? Right here. Turn around, Pedro. What for? Do as I say. Surely. Pedro Saltis. One of you's got to go, handsome. I can't keep an eye on both of you in the dark and on that island at the same time. <laughs> I'm only a helpless woman. Which'll it be, Smitty? You or Pedro? Go ahead, make it me. You'll kill me anyway, sooner or later. Maybe I won't. Ready for it, Pedro? Si, senora. If I have to die, I am ready. Thank you, senor, for trying to save Pedro. Oh, oh. Planted the dynamite in the ground level of the Jellicoe Lighthouse during the lashing gale. Pencil strips of moon shining on Julie's face looked like tigress stripes. There was a crazy gloating burning in her eyes. Is it all right, handsome? Yes, it's okay. Now, relate the fuse. The whole lighthouse will blow sky high in a minute. And shower us with gold. Let's get out of here before we blow up. Let's not get out of here. Let's not. But Julie, no. will... you will. Move and I'll shoot you. Go ahead, shoot. I'm coming. <laughs> Not good enough, Julie. I've got enough left to choke the living friend. Kill us. Be killed, you said. She sagged in my hands and fell over unconscious. I couldn't bring her to it. Drag myself out in time. I'm here now. On the beach. Blinded by the blast. Writing my story on the wind. <laughs> Hello, son. You find that gold yet? Uncle Kalo. How'd you know to come here? I was the one who sent you here. You sent me here? Oh, sure. You gave me the lead on... on what Lady Jane and the croaker meant. More than that... I was the one who drew up that letter and map and put it into that old rum bottle for some scavenger to find on the beach. I, I don't get it. Old Captain Crow never had any gold. It was me that made you think he had by forging them writings on an old paper I tore out of a book, by hiding pieces of a map in the back of that picture and in the stuffed parrot. Why did you do all that? Payment for my leg. The leg I lost. Oh, sounds crazy. I lost my leg in the service of the county, but not a cent come to me for the loss. And I was to get my pension from the county board, except for two votes going against it. Two votes. Hester Crow and Ed Crow voted against you. They did. May they squirm everlastingly in their graves. So, your scheme was... To get them murdered by someone who was after the pieces of a map you planted in their homes. <laughs> yeah, and it worked. 
Jim Dandy. <laughs> Why? Why did you come here now? To laugh at me for playing sucker? No, son. To make my peace with you before you die. I left the story behind me all written out, and they'll be coming here after me. I've had my revenge. And I allow I'm touched in the head some, but... I wanted to make my peace with a good lad like you before you die. You scared? Not of dying so much. And then of what? Of, of someone waiting to meet me where I'm going. She swapped Chucky in for me. <laughs> you hear her? I got rid of her once. But I, I'm afraid she's going to get me this time. <laughs> that he's crossed the great divide, Smitty's troubles begin to multiply. Julie won't take no for an answer, especially now that she knows Smitty's a real gone guy. <laughs> Did somebody say Uncle Kale gambled a $50 coin and hit the crackpot? Mm. <laughs> well, what do you say we close this merriment with a moral, everybody? When bottle washes out of the sea, don't pull the stopper, sucker. You might blow your own top. <laughs> Be with us again next week at this same time for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This program was heard in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Inner Sanctum Mystery with a Corpse is Lonely, starring Larry Haynes from May 30th, 1949. Also in the cast, Barbara Weeks with Paul McGrath as our host, as heard over CBS. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series I direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio shows for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another horror episode of Inner Sanctum Mystery after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, a businessman is badly in need of money and seizes the opportunity to cash in on a double indemnity policy. Here's Beneficiary Death 
starring Everett Sloan on Inner Sanctum Mystery from April 17, 1950. seltzer made by the Emerson Drug Company invites you through the creaking door for tonight's inner sanctum mystery titled Beneficiary Death, written by Ed Adamson and Bob Sloan. Bromo Seltzer reminds you to... of the creaking door. This is your host to welcome you once again into the inner sanctum. Come in, come on in. Oh, I'm tired. Just finished my spring gardening, planted a couple of dozen of bulb heads, but I'm sure they won't be content to stay in their new loams. <laughs> That's how things are here behind the creaking door. Whatever goes down must come up at night. <laughs> oh, by the way, folks, I want you to meet our laughing ghost. We call him Silly Willie because it's easy to tickle his fantasy. But Willie's not really so silly when it comes to getting rid of his mates. The first one left him because he started each day by beating her over the head with a club. Well, naturally, she got sick and tired of such treatment. But his second wife, a brunette, had a much more interesting... Conclusion. Willie buried her head in the sand at the ocean front. Now she's a beached blonde. <laughs> Horror has many sides. It can make itself felt in an almost hidden, quiet sort of way. Just as it did that rainy Monday morning that Sam and Helen Braden were at breakfast in their small suburban home. The Braden sat in the kitchen nook near the window, the same as they'd done for 20 years. But still, this morning, things were not quite the same. Sam, you've just been sitting there staring out the window. You haven't touched your breakfast. I'm not hungry, Helen. You didn't sleep last night, did you? A little, on and off. You're just worrying yourself sick over nothing. Now, business is bound to get better. Oh, there's no use kidding you any longer. The store is on its last legs. The bank refused me the loan. Oh. Said I was a bad risk. Then you don't need the bank's money. You can still raise some yourself. Yes. How? Your insurance. Yes. I begged and borrowed everything up to my teeth, but I won't touch that insurance. That's for you, Helen, in Sam, case... Sam, please, listen to me. No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Getting late. I'm starting for town. Sam, wait. Yes? I wish you'd take the train instead of the car. Why? Well, weather's so awful. Look at the way the rain's coming down. I drove into town in lots worse weather than this. I know, but... But what? Feeling the way you do, Sam, I, I, I wish you wouldn't drive. Oh, I'm all right, Helen. I'll see you this evening. Sam, please take the train. I told you I'm all right. I, I had an awful dream last night. I saw you driving the car along the turnpike, and then suddenly the car crashed, and you were... Killed? Yes. Well, that's not such an awful dream at all. Why, Sam... Well, it isn't. When you consider my insurance, I'm really worth more to you dead than alive. Hello? Mrs. Brayton? Hmm? Mrs. Samuel Brayton? Yes? This is Sergeant Landau of the Merrick Police. The police? It's, a, it's about my husband. Yes. His car was in a crack-up an hour ago on the turnpike. Was he hurt badly? I'm sorry to tell you, Mrs. Brayden, but he's dead. Oh. Mrs. Brayden? Mrs. Brayden? Yes? It's only a formality, but uh, you'll have to come down to the county morgue personally to claim the body. 
Did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. <laughs> Helen, why are you crying? Sam, why did you do it? I didn't want the insurance money. I wanted you to come back. But I have come back. Please tell me you were killed in the auto crash. Just the way I dreamed it. I saw your face. Just the way it is now. Covered with blood. Sam, I only wanted you to live. Why are you talking that way, Helen? I am alive. No. Here, touch me. Sam, don't. You mustn't be afraid. Touch me. Sam, please. There. Feel my hand. It isn't, it isn't cold. You're not dead. You're alive. But you're facing that, that call just now. There was an accident. The car was coming toward me. I swerved to get out of the way, and then everything went black, and the next thing I knew, I was standing at the front door outside. But the police found your body in the wreck. They, they asked me to come down to the morgue and claim it. My body? They said you were there, dead. The hitchhiker. Hitchhiker? Just before I got onto the turnpike, I picked up a tramp. I was giving him a lift into town. Wait. What is it? My, my wallet. It's not in my pocket. It must have fallen out in the crash. Then that's why they thought it was you. Yes. Helen, what are you going to do? Call the Merrick police and tell them you're alive. Put that phone down. But they should know. Put it down. I'm not alive. What? To all intents and purposes, that's my body down at the morgue. I don't understand. This is our chance, Helen. Don't you see? What are you trying to say? It's very plain and simple. My $25,000 life insurance. Now, do you understand? Sam, we can't do a thing like that. And not for just $25,000. Accidental death, the double indemnity clause, $50,000. Sam, please. $50,000. I told you at breakfast time, worth more dead than alive. 50,000. After you collect, we can go away. For the first time, we can really live. We won't have to worry about pennies anymore. Darling, we don't want money that way. All you have to do is go down to the morgue at Merrick. Sam, we can't do it. Of course we can. You'll find us out. The tramp I picked up told me he was homeless. No family. It's all so perfect. Once you claim my body, no one will ever find out. <laughs> Now, Mrs. Braden, just uh, one more thing to be filled out on this form. Uh, where do you want your husband's body sent? Uh, uh, to, to the Winston Funeral Home in Crestview. Winston Funeral Home, Crestview. Now, come with me, please. Sergeant Lando, where, where are we going? To that room at the end of the hall. That's where the bodies are kept. Do I have to go? Well, I'm sorry, but that's the law. But you know it's my husband, don't you? Sure. But the next of kin has to make identification. Oh, Sergeant Lando. It'll only take a second. Here we are. Yes, Sergeant. That, that, that's my husband. Mrs. Braden. How many years were you married? Twenty. Why do you ask? Well, it uh, just hit me as peculiar, but it may be because you're upset by your loss. I don't understand. The body you just identified has been here in the morgue for three days. What? Your husband's body is here to your right. On this other slab. You should have been more careful. You could have ruined everything. I was so frightened, Sam. I didn't know what to do. When Sergeant Landau stopped, I, I thought that was the body. I didn't know what he looked like. Oh, well, I guess it was my fault. I should have described him to you. Anyway, you got away with it. They gave you the death certificate and they sent the body to the Winston funeral home. It came so near to getting caught. But luckily, you acted upset enough to save us. We may not be so lucky the next time. There won't be a next time. 
From here on, there won't be any trouble for us. Sam, please, let's forget about the whole thing. Are you crazy? Before it's too late. We can still save ourselves. We can say you had amnesia and just turned up. They'll believe that. And let $50,000 slip through our fingers? But we never did anything wrong in our lives. You know we're not the kind of people to do a thing like this. Someone's at the door. All right, get hold of yourself and answer it. Who could it be? I'll... I'll hide in the closet here. Mrs. Braden? Yes? Uh, my name is Granger. I'm from the Acme Insurance Company. Sure. Uh, I'm here in regard to your husband's death. Oh, C come in, please. Thank you. I'll just be a moment. I, I don't want to bother you unnecessarily at a time like this, but... Before the company pays you the double indemnity benefits of your late husband's policy, you'll be required to sign these papers. Now, uh, you may mail them in if you choose, or you may sign them right now, and I'll take them back to the office with me. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll sign them now. Uh, very well. Oh, uh, by the way, Mrs. Braden. Yes, Mr. Granger. Uh, where will the services be held? The Winston Funeral Home in Crestview. Tomorrow? Yes, at ten in the morning. I'll be there. You'll be there? I, I don't understand. To pay my respects. You see, Mrs. Braden, I knew your husband quite well, some years ago, when I sold him the policy. Bromo Seltzer, famous for fast headache help, is bringing you Inner Sanctum. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? How do you do? This is your old friend Norman Brokenshire. The other day I heard a fellow speak of the hour between five and six in the evening as the headache hour. Now, if you get a headache about this time or any time, I hope you'll remember Bromo Seltzer. For Bromo Seltzer is a friend in need when you've got a headache. It's true, neighbors. Bromo Seltzer not only quickly helps the pain of a headache, but it also soothes the upset stomach and the jittery nerves that may come with it. Yes, Bromo Seltzer gives you three-way headache help that's fast and pleasant. Now, by pleasant, I mean Bromo Seltzer is pleasant to take, actually refreshing. Try Bromo Seltzer next time you get an ordinary headache. Try it on this guarantee. You must be satisfied or your money back. All drugstores carry Bromo Seltzer at their counters and fountains. For fast three-way headache help, ask for... Bromo Seltzer, Bromo Seltzer, Bromo Seltzer, Bromo Personally, I feel kind of sorry for that Sam Braden. The only way he can make a decent living is by being dead. Hmm? <laughs> well, that's fate for you. Everything was going pretty well until that insurance guy Granger turned up and said he was going to pay his last respects to Sam. You see what happens when you fool around with death? Things go from bad to hers. <laughs> well, now let's get back to our tales. And the troubled Braden. Of all people for the insurance company to send out here, it had to be Granger. I told you we couldn't get away with it. Well, we're not finished yet. Granger told you that you'd probably get the check from the insurance company tomorrow. But in the meantime, he'll go to the Winston funeral home. He'll know that's not you in the casket. He'll never know. What are you doing? Something we should have done right after Granger left here earlier this evening. Here. Take this phone. I've dialed the Winston Funeral Home. But what? When they answer, you tell them that you've changed your mind. There'll be no services tomorrow. You've just found a paper signed by your husband in which he requested that he be cremated immediately after death. They'll be suspicious. I'll write the note now. That'll cover it. Haven't they answered yet? No. You've got to get that body out of there before tomorrow morning. Still no answer? No, not yet. I'd better hang up. It must be closed for the night. 
If we wait until tomorrow morning, it'll be too late. Then what'll we do? There's only one thing to do, Helen. We're going over to the funeral home and get that body out ourselves. We'll try the back door down at the end of this alley. We'll never get away with it. I've had the feeling all along Will you that... stop talking like that, Helen? Don't you understand? It's worth any risk we take to get that 50000 But I told you I don't want the money. Wait and see. When you get your hands on it, you'll feel differently. Here's the back door. It's locked, isn't it? Well, of course. What did you expect? There's no way we can get in. Yes, there is. I'll break the glass panel and then reach in and turn the lock. Someone might hear us. You're just making things worse by talking that way. Besides, we looked out in front, didn't we? There's not a soul around. Yes, I'll need something to break the glass. What can I use? I know. Helen, give me your compact. Here. This compact should do fine. Oh, oh, oh. Sam, you cut yourself. I... Guess I'm not much of an expert on housebreaking. Don't you see? We can't do any of this, right? Because we're not people for a thing like this. Then we'll make ourselves that kind of people. We'll manage. We did so far. I'll have this door unlocked in a second. There. All right, come on, Helen. Can't I wait here? No, no, I need your help. Come on. Sam, I'm so frightened. You mustn't be. Just try to think of the money. Just try to think of all the pleasure we'll have with it. We'll never enjoy it. We'll never have a happy moment again. Please, Helen, don't say things like that. Here are the caskets. I'll see what this tag says. Sarah Adams. All right, we'll try the next one. Samuel Braden. All right, Helen, you get down at the other end and help me lift the lid. Oh, Sam, please, I can't. I just can't. All right, I'd do it myself. <gasps> Helen, what's wrong? What is it? The coffin. There's no one in it. The coffin is empty. But, but you had the body sent here from the morgue. Yes. And this coffin tag has my name on it. What could have happened to the corpse? Where can it be? Someone came in. Footsteps. They're coming this way. I can't let anybody see me, and there's no time to get out the rear way. Wait. I know where to hide. Sam, what are you doing? The only safe thing. I'll hide in this coffin. What'll I do? What'll I say? I don't know, but try to carry it off the best you can. Good evening, Mrs. Brayden. I had an idea I might find you here. Oh, you don't have to be afraid of me. I won't hurt you. Who are you? My name is Stephen Winston. You own this place. That's right. We've, we've never met. How do you know who I am? I've made a point of knowing Mrs. Braden. As a matter of fact, I've just come from your house. I'd planned on having a talk with you about the ceremonies tomorrow. Oh, uh, by the way, don't you know it's illegal to force your way into an establishment? But I, I tried to get you on the phone, Mr. Winston. There, there was no answer. I thought perhaps your line was out of order, so I came down. I, I wanted to talk to you, too. About the ceremonies? Yes. Do you mind telling me how you got in here? The rear door was open. It's odd. I distinctly remember having bolted it. However, first I have something very interesting to show you. Mr. Winston, what are you doing? Lift up this coffin lid. No, no, don't. Why not? I, I, I can't, can't bear to see you. Well, that isn't the reason, is it, Mrs. Braden? That isn't the reason at all. What, what do you mean? You've already opened this coffin. You know there's no body in it. Isn't that the reason? Yes. I thought so. You probably wonder what's happened to the body that was in it. Well, I'm happy to relieve your mind of the anxiety. I have the body down in the basement, hidden. Why? Why, why did you hide my husband's body? You can drop the act, Mrs. Braden. I know that wasn't your husband's body. You? No? Yes, of course. 
I once met your husband. I rarely forget a face. The police would be very interested in your game, but uh, the police don't have to know, necessarily. What do you mean by that? Now look, Mrs. Brayden, I'm a businessman. The police don't have to know about this at all, providing you make it worth my while. You want money? Yes. $10,000 should seem to be a fair sum. I suggest, Mrs. Brayden, that you get in touch with your dear departed husband and tell him my terms. 10000 or jail for both of you. Sam, it's been hours. Thought you'd never get back here to the house. It became light out. I had to be careful no one saw me. Winston knows everything. It was he who took the body out of the casket. Yes, Helen, I know. I heard from inside the coffin. He wants money. We mustn't give it to him. Of course not. He'd go on blackmailing us until he got every cent of the 50000 That's not what I mean, Sam. It's a good thing you didn't tell him I was in that coffin. <laughs> Darling, please listen to me. I've been waiting for you to come home. I wanted you to be the one to call the police. Call the police? You've got to. If we make a clean breast of everything now, they may not be too hard on us. We're not telling the police anything. Then Winston will. No, he won't. Winston is dead. What? I killed him. I buried his body where it will never be found. Sam. I, I had to do it, Helen. Things had gotten so that I just had to. Helen, do you have to keep standing at the window there looking at the birds down in the garden? Why don't you talk to me? Talk? What can I say? You can find something to say to make me feel a little better about it. How can you feel better about killing a man? It isn't that I wanted to do it. I had to. You've got to understand that I never had the makings of a murderer in me. No, Sam, you didn't. Until the thought of that $50,000 made you one. Why do you keep saying that? There's nothing I can do about it now. I can't go to the police. They'll sentence me to death. You wouldn't want that, would you? No, Sam, I wouldn't want that. Well, then what can I do? I don't know. Well, there's one thing I know we've got to do, and that's move away from here where no one will know us. Maybe then we can start over again. Maybe then things will be all right between us. Maybe. Sure they will. The 50,000 will make all the difference. Sam. What's the matter? Why are you looking at me that way? We can't take that money now. After all I've done? After what you've done, that's just the reason. You're not making sense. We couldn't get anywhere without money. We, we, we'd have to get it some way. We need a lot of money to... Helen, look. There's the mailman coming down the walk. I'll bet he's got the insurance company check with him now. You, you better go down and see. All right. Why did you stop, Helen? All you have to do is go down the stairs and open the door. I've made up my mind, Sam. We're not taking the money. But, but you know we need it to save ourselves. Not that kind of money. Now, look, the mailman must have that check. That's why he's ringing the bell. It was sent registered. You have to sign for it. I'm not going down to get it. You are. Hurry, before he goes away. Now, go on. Look, Sam, let go of me. I'm not answering that ring. Yes, you are. You're opening that door and signing for that letter. I have to drag you down. He's letting... Helen! 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 Sam. I, I didn't mean it, darling. I didn't mean it. I didn't. I... No, you didn't. You couldn't help yourself. I understand. Sam. Yes? The money. You can't have it now. I'd have to sign the check and I... I won't be able to. I'm glad about that. It wasn't meant for us. Never would have brought us a happy moment. Helen. Helen. <laughs> Operator? Will you please get me the Merrick police? 
Hello. Is Sergeant Landau there? No, no, he won't have to call back. Message? Yes. Just tell him that Sam Braden is on his way over. Now that's what I call a significant ending. No doubt there for whom the doorbell tolls. That Sam and Helen show were bunglers. They handled a cold corpse like it was a hot potato. But before Sam went the way of all burnt flesh for the insurance murder, he was heard to say that honesty is the best policy. Well, anyway, now he's got a coffin to call his own. Footnote. I, I mean, a six-footnote. Never commit a murder after midnight, because it might bring you straight into morning. <laughs> Say, neighbors, here's a fact I'm sure you'll agree with. To help a headache one way is good. To help it two ways is better. But to help your headache three ways is best of all. And that's exactly what Bromo Seltzer does. First, Bromo Seltzer helps the headache itself, and fast. Then it soothes the upset stomach and jittery nerves that may team up with your headache. And that's not all, neighbors. Bromo Seltzer tastes good. You'll actually like sparkling, refreshing Bromo Seltzer. Convince yourself, try Bromo Seltzer the next time you get a headache. Remember, where others fail, Bromo Seltzer works. Caution, use only as directed. And of course, if a headache persists or recurs, see your doctor. Be ready for fast headache help at all times. Get Bromo Seltzer today at any drugstore. And remember, don't just fight a headache one or two ways. Fight headache three ways. Well, it's time to close that creaking door on tonight's inner sanctum which featured Everett Sloan as Sam and Barbara Weeks as Helen. The music was by Lou White, and the entire production was directed by Hyman Brown. Tonight, friends, we close the creaking door for several weeks while Inner Sanctum takes a short vacation. We'll be back soon, so be sure to listen for that familiar creaking door. Oh, by the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is The Motive by Evelyn Piper. Until we meet again, then. Good night. Pleasant dreams. Hello, this is Jimmy Stewart with a special kind of an invitation for you. It's to hear the premiere broadcast of the Hollywood Star Playhouse on Monday, April 24th. Gloom of Night is the title. I'm going to be in it. I think you're going to enjoy this new series of plays. They'll be written by Hollywood's leading writers. And this is Norman Brokenshire speaking for Bromo Seltzer, inviting you to tune in next week, same time, same station, when Bromo Seltzer will present, direct from Hollywood, that famous movie star Jimmy Stewart in an original mystery thriller entitled Gloom of Night. In this exciting story, Mr. Stewart plays a mail carrier who is also a tall storyteller, he matches wits with a murderer single-handed because no one will believe his warnings. Don't miss Jimmy Stewart in Gloom of Night, brought to you next Monday night on the premiere broadcast of Hollywood Star Playhouse by... This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Inner Sanctum Mystery with Beneficiary Death, starring Everett Sloan from April 17, 1950. 
Also in the cast, Barbara Weeks and Arnold Moss, with Paul McGrath as our host, as heard over CBS. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 69 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 69 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two comedy episodes of The Aldridge Family, starring Bobby Ellis, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>